welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about so many crimes, too little time. Uh, indeed, these days you, um, you know, <laughs> look, watch the news on television or on radio or on the internet, and there is a plethora of all kinds of horrendous crimes, um, really sad, really tragic Today, um, my guest and I are going to be talking about some of the ones that are in the headlines uh, this week. <laughs> and again, there are so many crimes, um, but some of the ones that people, that are the more interesting ones for this week. I mean, you know, it's funny because the media, looking at the media, um, gives you the false impression that there are only those crimes that make the big headlines going on, when in every town, <laughs> and certainly many in every city, there are crimes um, going on all the time that we don't even hear about. So uh, these today we're going to be talking about some of the ones that, that you have started hearing about, but we don't know the answer. They're still whodunits. So my guest is Randy Sutton. He is a uh, retired police lieutenant. He's an author. He's the host of Blue Lives Radio, and he's the founder of The Wounded Blue. His police career spanned three decades when he retired as a field lieutenant with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And to this day, he remains recognized as one of the most highly decorated officers in the department's history, with numerous awards for life-saving, exemplary service, and valor. He's also one of America's best-known officers because of having been featured on the popular reality show Cops, America's Most Wanted, and roles in films such as Casino, Fools Rush In, and Miss Congeniality II, as well as appearances on TV and cable news as a commentator. And um, uh, he's the uh, acclaimed author of four books. We'll be talking about his latest one later. And um, uh, so basically, he's not just, (laughs) he doesn't just play one on TV. He's a real cop in real life. And a decorated one at that. So, Randy, welcome to the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Doctor. So today we're going to be talking about, um, as I mentioned, cases in the headlines, notably Molly Tibbetts, whose body was unfortunately found um, just today. And, um, I mean, unfortunately found, and I mean, it's good that her body was found, but it's bad that this means that she was, in fact, murdered while we were still holding out hope before. And Chris Watts, who um, is the alleged, well, the confessed murderer of his wife, and he's kind of holding out about his two daughters, but we'll get into that. And if there's time, we'll also talk about Asia Argento, um, who, you know, she... (laughs) Her claims against Harvey Weinstein made her one of the biggest faces, the most popular faces of the um, cases of the Me Too movement, uh, notably against Harvey Weinstein. She just recently made a a speech at Cannes, and, uh, you know, here she was, pot calling the kettle black, when in fact, it turns out, 
that a young actor who she worked with in the past, he played her son when he was um, younger, is now claiming that she sexually abused him when he was 17 and she was 37. And now she, the latest thing is that she's uh, now trying to deny it, which, you know, I, I tweeted um, something, uh, something about, uh, don't, like, don't make the situation worse or don't get any more behind than you already are. I mean, it's certainly not believable that it isn't true because he has pictures. But we'll get to that. So which one, who do you want to talk about first, uh, Randy? Molly Tibbetts or Chris Watts? I think the Chris Watts case is uh, is very interesting um, because uh, it's it's almost unimaginable how um, this seemingly happy family um, turned out to be uh, a sociopath or a psychopath, killing his pregnant wife and two beautiful children and then disposing of their bodies by dumping them into, a, into um, oil where, uh, where they could decompose. I mean, it's, it's almost incomprehensible that, that, that a human being could do this. And so uh, I think that's an interesting case to start off with. Okay. Um, well, so, um, yes, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, people are comparing him to, uh, what's his name? <laughs> what's, I'm blocking on, who was the guy who killed his pregnant wife? Uh, because he had a Scott mistress. Peterson? Scott Peterson. Scott there Peterson. we go. Uh, he's being compared yeah. to Scott Peterson. What do you think of that comparison? Yeah, there, there is a, there is a similarity. I mean, the, uh, uh, but this guy, um, I mean, both of them showed absolutely ruthlessness in their, in their appearing on the media, pretending to be victims and, um, and, you know, calling out for the release of their, of their wives and, uh, knowing full well that they, they had already killed them and, and dumped their bodies. I mean, what it really shows is, um, a complete lack of any type of humanity, empathy, the things that, you know, we, we think of with another human being. And if you're capable of doing such, uh, such evil, um, you know, you as a, as a forensic psychologist, you would just have a field day talking to this guy. Well, yes. You know, actually, um, I, did you see the video? I just uh, found that this morning. There's a video of him from a 2012 presentation that he gave his college class about the deterioration and reparation of relationships, of romantic relationships. Did you see that? No, I did not. I did not see that. That must have been interesting. What? Yes, it really was. I mean, he seemed kind of like a robot. You know, he was re- reading from a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, it's kind of ironic that it's about relationships, you know, <laughs> what makes them deteriorate and what you can do to repair them when uh, he, didn't, he didn't listen to his own uh, presentation. But, but what's, it was particularly interesting was what a nerd he looked like. It, he looked so different. I'm not saying he would become one of people's sexiest men alive, you know, today. But there is an incredible transformation. And what, what that reminded me of was his wife, Shanann, 
um, had told a friend that she, you know, she suspected maybe he was cheating, but then she said, no, I don't think so, because he doesn't have game. And certainly, if you look at this video, he didn't have game. I mean, it is amazing that he somehow managed to convince Shanann, this beautiful, sweet woman, to marry him. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> there's no accounting for taste. I, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, who knows, maybe, maybe some, of, some of the women I, I've dated are saying the same thing about me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, it's... It's, it's really, you know, so it made me ask myself, like, what changed? How did he, uh, well, first of all, it seems like he's been working out, for one thing, but um, either that or so depressed or so anxious that he hasn't been eating very much. But, no, it looks kind of like he's been working out and, um, I don't know, getting some sun or whatever. But, um, but he, I think either it's the confidence that he got from having this, woman, Shanann, marry him and give him two beautiful daughters and all of that and be such a sweet wife and, you know, tell, writing all these things on social media about what a great guy he is. Obviously, that would have helped his confidence. But then also, we do know now that he's been cheating. With, I don't know. I, we don't, I, I haven't been able to find any details of that other than that he's been cheating. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't. Um, I don't know what the if it's a long term affair or if it's uh, you know it was just a suspicion on his wife's part. Um, but we do know that that he was in uh, what he said was an emotional conversation with his wife the night before she disappeared. Now, how much of that was a smokescreen? Uh, and when when he was talking to to the police uh, originally, I don't know. Um, you, you keep in mind. If anybody who's capable of this type of action is um, is probably not exactly the person that you're going to listen to uh, as far as his what his, whatever his story is. You know, this is going to be a very involved investigation uh, on, on the part of law enforcement. Wh- where did he where did he kill his family? Was it in the home? Which is from what I read, that's what they suspect. Um, you, you, there's always going to be forensic evidence uh, present in a crime scene, especially when you're talking about, you know, three people dead. Um, what was the, the cause of death, the manner of death? There's a, there's a lot here. And, of course, when, the, when law enforcement does its investigation, um, they go over every piece of his social media. They'll go over every text that he ever did, his emails. They'll talk to whoever his uh, paramour was. And, uh, and, and discover whether, who knows, maybe they made plans for the future, and this was his way of, uh, of uh, getting rid of, of, of the baggage, so to speak. So there's, you know, lots of unanswered questions mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and just a, a, host of, a host of great questions. Well, you know, you mentioned um, what he said when he, in those interviews that he did on his porch when he said, uh, that they had had an emotional conversation when his wife got home at 2 in the morning. Um, you know, that sometimes after she got home they had an emotional conversation, which was a very strange thing to say because no one was asking him, hey, did you have an emotional conversation after your wife got home? It was almost one of those things where... Um, a murderer gives himself away, you know, like causes all kinds. Everybody 
glued in on that, and, and it caused all kinds of speculation. Why, as, as a decorated um, police officer, what, uh, what, what did you make of that when you first heard it? Well, I, I, as soon as I watched that interview, I was thinking, this guy is lying like hell. <laughs> and yeah. and there's, there's, there, there was no doubt in, no doubt in, my, in my mind. Um, and I, I figured that they were going to be keying in on him. Of course, you know, his, his you know, the, um, when you have a, a, a crime like this, you don't, you don't have to, you generally speaking, you don't have to look very far for the suspect. You know, it's usually, um, someone that's in a very close relationship. You know, people don't, you know, randomly, generally speaking, uh, although, you know, with the next case we're going to talk about, Molly Tibbetts, we don't know uh, anything yet because uh, that may have been a stranger abduction. We don't know. Uh, but generally speaking, the, 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 the murder suspect is known to the victim. Usually there is a uh, relationship, and especially in a domestic situation like this. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, the fact that he was... Like he had no emotion, you know. You'd think if your if your wife or husband is missing, um, that you'd be more frantic. And he was just he he was very strange, um, he, you know. And and this whole em- emotional conversation was was it was almost almost maybe um, wanting to be found, you know, wanting somebody to ask as they did, of course, but then he didn't give them any more information. You know, what do you mean? What kind of, what ha- What were you talking about? <laughs> what was so emotional? Um, I, um, what do you think are, I made a whole list of things that I, of reasons why I think he murdered her. Um, what, what do you think? Uh, that, you know what, I, it's, it's really impossible to speculate. Um, you know, what is, what, what, what is it usually... It's usually over um, either money or sex or um, w- one of them wants to leave. Uh, you know, it could have been a, a fit of... She could have told him that, you know what, I'm, I'm done with you. And, um, and he went into a rage. Or he planned this. I mean, this, you know, this, this, the other part of this is this is what the investigation is going to have to determine. Did he plan this, or was this a moment of, of serious rage? They don't even, they're not even saying uh, the cause of death. So I don't know if he shot them, if he stabbed them, if he beat them with a hammer. Uh, no, that's, that's critical information to know if it, if it's, if it is uh, something that was planned or something that was uh, spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the intriguing things is... Um, his now saying that his wife, he only killed his wife, he, and it was because he saw his wife killing the two girls, which, I mean... Yeah, that's, not, that's complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. I yeah. mean, there's and, no and way they, that this woman... Spot. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and, and then he... And they, to, because he was, he was so broken up about her killing his kids... That he, that he dumped their bodies in, a, in such a foul way. Right, uh, not right. Not buying it. Eh, eh. Right. And, you know, with all, I mean, the videos that there are and the 
uh, pictures, you know, that she posted on Instagram. There's no way that this mother, um, she seemed to have such a loving relationship with her two adorable daughters. There's no way she would have done that. Why would she have done that? Um, if, you know, you could try to make, if I were his defense, you know, you could try to make the case that, well, he told her that he was leaving her and, you know, she, so she did this to spite him, which is more typically what a man would do if a, um, you know, for custody disputes and that kind of thing. So, yes, it's kind of crazy. But what do you make of the fact that he had his lawyer ask the judge um, for the, the, um, them to, during the autopsy, for them to do DNA of the girl's necks, the, of the daughter's necks? Had you not heard that? He was trying, uh, he was trying to get them to take, um, do DNA testing, in other words, to see who the person was who strangled um, the daughters. Now, I don't know whether DNA would still be left there after they were in these oil tanks, oil and gas tanks, for three days or so. I don't, would they be yeah. able to um, determine DNA from their necks? I mean, uh, you know, from outside not. their necks. From uh, Probably not. I mean, there is there can be trace. I mean, you can actually get DNA from trace amounts of, uh, you know, very very brief touching, but, um, you know, it, it depends. Did he, you know, were, were gloves worn? Uh, do we, you know, were, who, were they strangled with, with hands or was it done with a, uh, a belt or a scarf or some other object? I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, his, uh, his statements are com- not at all believable or credible. So, you know, I, I would discount anything that he possibly said as far as um, his culpability. Mm-hmm. Well, but you still um, have to build we the case. do. I'm sorry, what? But you still have to build the case. I mean, yes. he's, he's going to go to trial for murder, so the the law enforcement there has to build um, a case beyond a reasonable doubt that he's the one that did it. Yes. Now, yes. You know, it, will will a, would a jury ever believe? That that he that he flew in a fit of rage and he killed his his pregnant wife because he saw her kill their children. I mean, uh, would you buy that? I wouldn't. <laughs> no, but, uh, not. But if he's he may be laying that down as his as his only defense mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. a jury a jury convicting him on on charges of killing his children is a whole lot different than the way they look at a man who kills his wife. Mm-hmm, is it both mm-hmm. murder? Sure. But you look at the you look at the, the horribleness of the crime and uh, you know, this is his way of minimizing his culpability. Yes. Well we need to take a break now. Um, we will come back. My guest is Randy Sutton, a retired police lieutenant, a decorated retired police lieutenant. Um, an author of four books, and will be um, the, the latest one is The Power of Legacy. So we'll talk about that and his foundation uh, that he just created for the Wounded Blue and all of that. But we're, first we're going to be talking about all these crimes that are in the news, so many crimes, too little time. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about so many crimes. Too little time. And we do have too little time because I'm talking with my guest, Randy Sutton, who is a decorated police lieutenant, the founder of The Wounded Blue, uh, host of Blue Lives Radio, and also a new author. Of, well, he's a four-time, four-book author, but his latest book is called The Power of Legacy. Um, before the break, we were talking, we were talking about uh, Chris Watts and his murder. I mean, I know, alleged murder, but he, con- he confessed. So his murder of his wife and the alleged murder of his two daughters. And then we're going to be talking about Molly Tibbetts, whose body was unfortunately found today, uh, taking away our hopes that maybe she was still alive. And then hopefully we'll get to Asia Argento as well. So getting back to Chris. Watts, um, I made this whole list of why he killed his wife. Um, he was afraid Shannon was going to leave. Shannon was going to leave him because she now had a good job and had spent weeks away from him with her family. He never really felt he deserved someone as beautiful as she was to begin with. Uh, and I refer you all to the video from 2012 where he was an incredible nerd. Um, now he's only a psychopath, right? Before he was a nerd. <laughs> And uh, I have diagnosed him without meeting him as a borderline who has fear of abandonment. Um, you know, he, he was very, uh, they had money problems. They had, were bankrupt in 2015. He, it seems like uh, he was, you know, it's kind of strange. They say he's no longer working at the place where he put their bodies, but um, presumably he was fired. But I don't know anything else about that, do you? 
No, I haven't. I have not heard. There, in fact, I haven't. They've actually been pretty closed-mouthed about a lot of this, the, the details regarding this investigation. And, yes. uh, you know, uh, which, you know, I, of course, we're all inquisitive. But, you know, we, we uh, it's just conjecture because, you know, we know so little. They have just, you know, released so little about it. Yes, that's true. Yes, a good... Um a <laughs> good thing to uh, to say this is all conjecture, but you know, <laughs> as a forensic psychiatrist, I come up with these um, what these hypotheses in any case, and then see what turns out to be true. Um, so they had financial problems. He is not working for some reason. I would think he probably was fired. Um, well, actually, I read in one report that he was fired when they found the bodies, but I but. But I think there was a problem with his working before that and that she became the breadwinner. In any case, she had an interesting job that included travel. He came home at 2 in the morning. He might well have suspected that she was cheating on him and or that she would cheat in the future because she was now out of, not just a, a homemaker, a, um, not just home taking care of the children, but she was out working and traveling and so on. And so he would likely have thought that she would cheat in the future because uh, she was meeting men who were more sophisticated than he was. Then also, I think the third child was a, re- a real key to this. Here he was not really making enough money for his family to begin with, and she was pregnant again. So that really made him feel um, inadequate and emasculated. Do you know, do you and, know, do you know how far <laughs> along she was? Um, not really. I mean, we've seen pictures of her, but it's a little hard to tell. I mean, certainly she was showing. Uh, well, she was. Ha- wait, she. I think she was fairly far far along because she was having going to be having the naming party this this coming Saturday. So I think um, she was fairly far along, and I, I, you know, I think this was he didn't want that baby to be born. Um, then we do know, as far as his affair, I mean, that I think that they have said that with some certainty that he was having an affair with a woman from work, but how far along that was, I have no, they haven't said, I have no idea. So, um, so those are the things that I think kind of went into his feeling, um, feeling inadequate, emasculated, feeling like he's going to be abandoned, um, and and so on. I guess why do those enough reasons for murder? Not really, but uh, but when you are well, in, in to the begin with, mind, you know, you know, when when you have a diseased mind like that, you know, right. you uh, you just you justify it to yourself. That's right. He might have he might have even been thinking that he's going to be doing his children a favor. You never know. That's the kind of that's the kind of crazy thought processes that go on in people's heads that are, that are capable of, of committing this, uh, this type of violent crime. Yes, you mean like uh, if he told himself, well, we're going to be splitting up either because he was going to leave or she was going to leave, and so the children would be better off not uh, having to suffer through that? Exactly, exactly. You know, you, you, you rationalize your behavior uh, by, uh, by assigning um, a type of... Uh, uh, well, I'm really doing this for them, you know that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of thought mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, otherwise, how do you possibly live with yourself knowing that you killed your own children? I mean, it's just it's so out of the the realm of of 
normal human behavior, um, that there has to be, uh, I would think, some type of mental compensation to, uh, to, to be able to rationalize that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know about his life before this, you know, his childhood and so on. I mean, you know, for example, if he came from a divorced family, uh, perhaps, and I don't know that he did, but, but if it turns out that he did, perhaps what you're saying about his thinking it would be better off, the children would be better off if they were dead might well be true. I mean, he might be judging that from his own experience. Well, let's talk right. about yeah. Molly. Huh? No, I was what agreeing you... with you. Uh-huh. Let's talk about Molly Tibbetts. You know, there's something very unnerving about looking at these pictures of this really um, pretty cherubic uh, young woman who, you know, she was a psychology major. She was doing all this volunteer work. She was, uh, she, you know, she, she just seemed so like butter <laughs> wouldn't melt on her. She just seemed adorable and, and so good good-hearted and all that, um, and for something like this to happen in Iowa, in a, in a small town in Iowa, it's like the last thing you would expect. What do you think about all that? Oh, you're absolutely right, and that's why it's so shocking to, uh, um, to that community and also, you know, why this case has captured the attention of people across America. You know, you, uh, you almost expect violence uh, violent crime in, in, in cities, but, um, you know, then you have, first of all, you have the disappearance. Uh, and, uh, you know, stranger abductions are, are relatively rare. Um, when she disappeared, the, you know, this was a community of 1,500 people where everybody knows everybody else. So if, it, you know, as I said, stranger abductions are rare, which means that the the um, the possibilities are that this is someone who's in that community, and you know you only got fifteen hundred people. There, people got to be looking at each other. You know, hmm. going, you know, I wonder about that guy. Yeah. You know. So what so, would you do but, if you were called in uh, at this point? They found the body. What would you do? You're the you're the lead investigator. Well, actually, now. The, the fact that they found the body is going to um, really push this investigation along. Remember, this was a missing persons investigation. Now it's a murder investigation. Now, I could, I could tell you this, that they expected to find her body. Uh, they've, they've been searching high and low for it. Uh, you know, this is a fairly rural area. Uh, I don't know the proximity from where she was last seen to where the body was found. They haven't announced that yet. Uh, but this is where the rubber meets the road in law enforcement investigations. Um, the the discovery of the body is going to lead to, first of all, how did she die? This is this is key to this investigation. When they do the autopsy, um, they need to determine when she died. Uh, that's also going to be critical because you know it's just been you know, with the missing part of this of this story. Um, Putting timelines together on a on a murder investigation is critical. So they'll be able to determine uh, a the cause of death, which is going to be really important. I mean, if if she, if she was shot to death, 
There may be a bullet recovered, which can lead to a weapon, which can lead to identification. Was she stabbed? Was she strangled? Was she beaten? All of this manner of death is going to provide investigators with a multitude of clues for which to follow up. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. Yes, and was she raped, which seems kind of likely, and hopefully getting DNA from that. Exactly, exactly. So the, this it is going, the, the crime scene itself, um, if they locate it, I mean, where, where the body is found, was that the crime scene? That's, that's also a critical piece. If so, there will be forensic evidence uh, there as well. There will, of course, there always be forensic evidence wherever the body was dumped. But if the crime scene was there, that would that would um, that would really be a, a key component to the uh, investigative process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? One of the things is kind of ironic, and um, the, the body was found right when the father had gone home to California. They sent him home. He had been there a month. And they told him, you know, that, uh, that he didn't need to be there anymore. They're continuing with the investigation. And then, lo and behold, the body turns up. I mean, does that suggest to you that maybe the person who killed her was waiting for the father to go home, like maybe felt it was safer in a sense, even though, of course, they were still investigating, but um, that, that without the father looking over their shoulder, that maybe uh, they could dare to let the body, you know, bring out the body from wherever the body was or, or somehow let the body be found? Uh, I doubt it. I think it, was probably just, I think it was probably just a coincidence. But, I mean, not, everything is within the realm of, of possibility. You know, if, if, um, if that were to be the case... That would mean that she'd been alive for all this time, and I, I, I have a real tough time believing that that's the case. Mm-hmm. You know, for poor father, because uh, he's going to blame himself, you know, um, uh, somehow thinking that, that, that she was alive until he left, and then maybe she gave up hope or something. You know, that's the kind of guilt trip that people put on themselves um, when they're in yeah, such yeah. mourning. Um, who yeah, is, that's, it, this, is, this is a horrendous... I, 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 feel, I feel so badly for not just the father, but, but also, you know, her, her fiancé boyfriend, uh, you know, seemed like was just a salt-of-the-earth kind of kid that, mm-hmm. you know, lost the love of his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, I know that they said that the boyfriend and his brother were out of town, and I guess the the girlfriend of the brother also was out of town. Although I don't know, it I haven't it hasn't been clear that um, where the boy where the boyfriend's brother and his girlfriend were exactly. I mean, I read something where he was supposedly also working, but it wasn't clear if he was working with the boyfriend. I mean, I I just had this, and I I can't really, I mean, I just had this feeling from the beginning, and maybe he's already been totally ruled out, but I I thought that maybe the boyfriend's brother did it, that maybe the brother's was jealous 
of the boyfriend, was jealous of, um, you know, wanted to have uh, Molly as his girlfriend, and uh, some, something about the boyfriend's brother just attracted my suspicions. Have you thought about that? Uh, I, well, you know, I don't really believe in, in the stranger abduction um, well, but he wasn't theory, a stranger. I mean, they were living. No, no, they were live. They all lived in the I know, that's, same. That's, that's what I'm okay. saying. Uh, I, I don't. I, I kind of have doubts that there oh. was a, that this was a stranger abduction, uh-huh. which uh-huh. means that that it was somebody. And and you know, general. Let's, let's face it. Murders are usually solved because of the relationships to the, the that the victim had with the murderer. Um, and they're usually, you know, especially, uh, uh, you know, when they're revolving around relationships, they're, they're about emotion. So that's, you know, there is, you don't rule anybody out, especially people that may be the closest to her. Mm-hmm. But had that gone through your, your mind, like when you were trying to figure out who done it? <laughs> Well, I, I don't, you know, and I, I don't conjecture unless I have something, you know, decent to go on. And I just simply don't have enough information to, to, to form <laughs> judgments like that. Okay. <laughs> oh. oh, and there's the music for the next, my goodness, it, there isn't um, so many crimes, not enough time is true. I'm hearing the music for another break. Okay. <laughs> my guest. We're talking, first of all, as I said, so many crimes, too little time. My guest is Randy Sutton. We're going to be coming back. We'll talk when we come back about Asia Argento and uh, her being accused of um, sexual abuse of a um, young man who was her uh, who was her co-star in a movie when he was really young, a little boy. So we'll we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about um, the latest book of my guest which is called The Power of Legacy. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I want to get right back to my guest, Randy Sutton. He is the host of Blue Lives Radio, and he's a highly decorated police lieutenant. And his fourth book just came out. It's called The Power of Legacy, Personal Heroes of America's Most Inspiring People. Well, we've been um, talking about Chris Watts, Molly Tippett. <laughs> I feel like I should call what I'm saying, you know, Speculation International or something. <laughs> or Unlimited. Speculation Unlimited, yeah. that's it. Um, well, now we're going to talk about Asia Argento. And although, yeah, you could say there's some speculation, there's a lot that, uh, that is clear. Um, Asia Argento is the uh, woman who accused, she's an actress, She's um, been a producer. She's done a, a number of things in the entertainment industry. Um, she came to, I think, more people's attention recently, both because she gave a speech in Cannes uh, about Harvey Weinstein, who she alleges sexually abused her. She alleges um, that he raped, well, she alleges that he performed oral sex well, it wasn't clear, actually, in, in her statement whether he performed... Well, yes, no, she did... It was that he performed oral sex on her. That isn't exactly... Those aren't the words she used. But anyhow, um, and that then they had... She admits to them having sexual encounters afterwards that were consensual, which, you know, I don't get the whole thing, how she can... Uh, and yet she calls him... You know, she said something about that, that having sex with this fat man was a nightmare. I mean, you know, all her different statements... Are, are, are self-contradictory, and um, so here she was, oh, she became one of the leaders of the Me Too movement, and now it turns out that the pot was calling the kettle black, because a young man called Jimmy Bennett, it has, it has come out that um, he is alleging, in any case, and he has the photographs to prove it, that when he was 17 and she was 37, this was in 2013, that she sexually abused him. And um, he said that he came out when, when all of this went on, um, when she was making all these speeches and Me Too and so on about Harvey Weinstein, I, it bothered him that it was the pot calling the kettle black. And that he, uh, so he got a lawyer and he um, filed papers, you know, had the lawyer contact her and so on. And as it turns out, uh, it, this just came out today, but I knew it was going to be the case, that her boyfriend, Anthony Bourdain, whose suicide, um, I said from the beginning, was her fault because she, after Khan, absconded with this young um, journalist and went to Italy, and um, even though she was supposed to be 
Anthony Bourdain's girlfriend, and he has he has um, he has stuck up for her. He he praised her when she gave that speech in Cannes and everything. And after Cannes, she goes off with this other guy, has her picture taken all over the place, and of course Anthony Bourdain saw it, uh, had his heart broken, and killed himself. And now it just came out that he paid the um, I think it was three hundred and eighty thousand dollars, a strange number, but. Uh, to Jimmy Bennett, who was accusing Asia of sexually assaulting him. Now, um, you know, and so she's trying to say now uh, that she didn't sexually assault Jimmy um, and that Anthony paid for it just to get Jimmy to go away. Well, you know, I knew that it would have turned out that Anthony paid for it because he was such a gallant man and um, she didn't have as much money as he did. And so, but that doesn't prove anything. It just proves that he uh, took care of his girlfriend and um, paid off the man who was accusing her. It doesn't mean that she didn't do it. So what do you make of all of this, Randy Sutton? Well, it's a, this is, a, a, this is a, uh, a very tawdry story. Um, and uh, I, she, she, she has very little credibility because... Even even the attorneys um, that uh, represented her in 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 documents found from them, they basically she she admitted it. She admitted that she had uh, that in in the uh, in the settlement agreement that uh, that she that she committed you know the act. So uh, you know, and then you know <laughs> the the. Uh, of course, the hypocrisy level of this is astounding. You know, she wanted. You know, the, the, you got to remember that that people, you know, in that world, in the Hollywood world, are are the biggest narcissists mm-hmm. on the face of the planet, and uh, and that's what this was. This was a this was a a, 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 a such a completely narcissistic action on her part. To come out and, and and you know she she was in her glory at Cannes, being hailed as the the modern day Joan of Arc for mm-hmm. women's rights and all this nonsense. And it, tur- it turns out, what is she? She's just another lousy human being that that's full of hypocrisy, wants her fifteen minutes of fame, and uh, and has no moral compass at all. Yes, and you know from a psychological viewpoint, the idea that I mean, this uh, boy, Jimmy, was, was a really, I mean, there are pictures of him. Um, he was a really little, maybe he was like seven or nine or something um, when he was in, the, or at the most ten, I guess. I, I don't know exactly, but he looked very, very young um, when he was in the movie with no, her. No, he was, he, was, he was 17. When, no, well, when, he was 17 when, when, she assaulted, when she assaulted him. He was 17, right. so that's why... Right. You know, and and in fact, the police might well be going after her because, uh, you know, because I don't think it's past the statute of limitations. I don't know. There's something about the. I mean, do you know about that part of it? Um, let's see. I, I'm not sure what year this happened. It was and, 2013. Uh, but yeah, she 2013. Was, 2013 was five years. I'm not sure what the statute of limitations is there, but it could very possibly be. Um, she could very possibly be charged criminally. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. Why didn't he report that as a, uh, to the police then? 
you know, by coming out now, um, all these years later, that would that that could have a you know a pretty chilling effect on the uh, on the prosecution. Yes, but it's kind of like Harvey Weinstein, you know, asking why the women didn't come out sooner. I mean, probably he was afraid. Jimmy was afraid that um, she would block his career. He was just a, a little boy in the movie originally. I'm, I'm not talking about. Yeah. I mean, the movie was way before he was 17, but they kept in touch. And um, she right, up, right. He was his friend and his mentor, exactly. And um, you know, she put up some pictures. He has there are some pictures from that day when she assaulted him, but also there are some. She wrote some things. Um, oh, my love, you know, my my son and my love. I mean, that's the twisted. Well, <laughs> that's the most twisted part in a sense. Um, that because she played his mother in the film that they were in together. And so it was this whole Oedipal taboo, in a sense. You know, here when she, she, she gave him alcohol, she wrote, I'm talking about now when, she, when he was 17, and she assaulted him. She had him come to a hotel in California. She um, plied him with alcohol. She had written these letters to him, you know, probably love letters. Um, then she performed oral sex on him, and then she essentially raped him. And... Um, you know, I mean, I know there are those who are going to say, oh, well, he was a lucky guy, whatever, but it does have psychological effects on boys or, um, in the same way or similar to how it has effects when girl, girls, teenage girls are raped. So, so um, I think that it would be poetic justice if she were brought, if she were charged with, um, you know, his assault. No, that would be it. Would be interesting if if she was charged. Um, uh, if you know, there where's the evidence? It's going to be a he said, she said kind of deal. And I don't even know if the uh, if the settlement agreement and the and the paperwork from that would be um, admittable for evidence against her. Um, mm. Of course, if there's you know the the photographs that supposedly they took in bed together, that certainly would be. And, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. and that would, you know, that would be that would be pretty pretty telling evidence too. Right. Well, let's talk about your evidence. Um, <laughs> you, your newest venture is something called the Wounded Blue. So tell us about that. Well, one of the things that um, that many people across America um, are unaware of is how law enforcement officers are often treated once they become injured in the line of duty, shot, stabbed, beaten, run over by cars. Um, You know, most people believe, as I did, even as a cop, that if I got hurt in the line of duty, my department was going to take care of my medical bills and, and make sure that I didn't starve, that I could put food on my family's table. The reality is very different. Um, the horror stories that that I have that I have heard uh, from police officers across the country um, will would make your hair stand up. Um, I'm actually in the midst of filming a documentary called The Wounded Blue, and um, I just interviewed um, a uh, an officer from a department in Oklahoma. Uh, this guy is a, was a lieutenant. He's working two full-time jobs because they pay so poorly that he had to work two full-time police jobs just to feed his family. 
Um, and then he was going to school at night beside that to get his master's degree. A real hard-working guy, a, a, a very well-respected police officer. And one night he gets involved in a pursuit with a, a, what he thinks is a speeder, but in reality there's three men in the car who are gang members who were hired to kill a federal judge. They were on the way to do that. They, uh, they run. He pursues them. And they shoot him in the head with a high-powered rifle. Um, his, the car, of course, goes out of control. He is severely injured. Um, he'll never be able to return to work. And um, this was uh, three years ago. Um, right now, he's living on $300 a month, and they're trying to take that away from him. Oh, wow. They haven't paid his medical bill. And uh, this is going on all over the country. The Wounded Blue is going to be their voice. Uh, we're going to combat this. We're going to... Um, we have um, um, a very robust peer support organization because all these men and women feel so terribly alone and forgotten. Um, our motto is never forgotten, never alone. So we're getting very close to launching this. We're putting all the pieces in place. And uh, people can check it out at thewoundedblue.org if they choose to... Uh, make a contribution, uh, they can contact me and I'll tell them how to do that. And um, we're going to change the lives of thousands and thousands of, uh, of American law enforcement officers and their families. And how can they contact you? Is there, uh, on the website, thewoundedblue.org, is there a contact? Click on a contact? There certainly is. Yep, indeed. Okay. yep sure is. All right. Well, boy, you're right. I don't think people, I didn't realize either that they wouldn't, police officers wouldn't be taken care of if they were injured in the line of duty. That, that's, that's terrible. Um, and I imagine also you talk about, or you will be talking about that kind of thing on your show, Blue Lives Radio, right? Where can people hear that? Yes. Uh, my show, Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, it's uh, on AmericaOutloud.com. It's a podcast, but it's also... Heard uh, on live talk radio five days a week on iHeartRadio. Ah. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a weekly show, but it's accessible 24-7. And uh, it's all things law enforcement. And we don't hold back, I can tell you that. Oh, well, that sounds very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Randy Sutton, for um, sharing your investigative skills and, and uh, uh, on the show. And, and we'll, we're going to be... Um, sure, looking to see what is finally going to be. We're going to see who's who done it. We're going to be looking to see how these stories that we just talked about finally turn out. And I wish you well with all your pursuits and how important that is, because uh, especially in today's day, with uh, you know protecting protecting the blue lives. So thank you, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 